0: As a driven dentist, you see the world differently. Where some see scarcity, you see abundance. When others want to give up, you keep going. You're building an amazing life of significance. That means you can't rely on ordinary advice from ordinary advisors to get to your goals. You want advice that's going to help maximize your net worth so you can take even better care of the people you love, the causes you care about, and make your dent in the universe. But the fact is, this advice remains hidden because relatively few professionals are well versed in them, and the extremely affluent don't care to let you know about them. Join us as we pull back the curtain to reveal the often hidden advice and strategies used by today's most successful individuals and families. Welcome to Dental Wealth Nation, here's your host, Tim McNeely.
1: Welcome everyone. I am so excited to be here with you today. And the reason I'm so excited to to be here with you today is we're talking about something pretty big. We're talking about how to exit your dental practice profitably. Some people exit and they don't do so Profitably. We want you to exit your dental practice profitably. And by the time we finish today, you're going to know how to do that. You're going to know how to exit your practice profitably. You're going to have some tools and resources to help you do just that. But what I'm most excited about is you're really going to feel a sense of peace in moving forward and putting a plan together. And when it comes to exiting your practice, very few people do it as well as Darren Holstein of Integrity Practice Sales. And I could tell you that Darren has over 21 years of experience as the top performer in the dental industry. I could tell you that he's a co-founder of Integrity Practice Sales. And for the past 12 years, he has personally helped over 150 dentists exit their practice. That's quite a few dentists. But what I really want to tell you is that Darren has a passion for helping dentists just like you. Darren, Welcome to the show. Thank you, Tim. It's great to be here. Oh man, I, I am so excited. I, I don't know of a topic that's more important it today because there's just so much uncertainty socially, politically, economically. Like there's a lot going on in the world today. And so, so how do we even start thinking about like preparing for the profitable sale of your practice? I mean, like, there's a lot that goes into that.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, there is a lot of uh, a lot of financial instability, instability out there today. And so I think we're all a little bit nervous about that, but I think with a plan in place, we can all you know, allay those fears and, and be prepared for the future. Um, I think the, the first thing that we need to realize is that there's no time like the present to have a plan. Uh, you and I were talking about this earlier and, and you mentioned uh, the best plan or the best time to, to develop a plan was 20 years ago. And the, the, uh, the second best time is now. And so, uh, starting now, I think is is key.
1: Yeah, and so right, right. We, we talk about putting plans together, and that can be such a nebulous thing because you know I know a lot of doctors I talk to. They go, "Yeah, my plan is to sell in the future. What more of a plan do I need than that?" And so, so what do you mean when you talk about having a plan in place?
2: Well, first of all, I think uh, we need to figure out who we need to talk to, right? Who who can help us and and. Uh, a good financial advisor, such as yourself, is the is actually the first step. This is what, when I get on the phone with a dentist for the first time, I the first thing I ask him is, "Have you talked with your financial advisor if you have one? And if you haven't, consider getting one, uh, or talking to your financial advisor first. Then talk to your accountant after that. Um, talk to your spouse or significant other. Uh, you may or may want may or may not want to talk to a partner depending on the relationship there. And then also a conversation with the broker. I think those are the first steps is talk to your, uh, round up your advisors and talk to your advisors in that, in that order. And then um, look at, and if you talk to me or any of our people, we're going to tell you um, that you should have a plan in place in terms of up keeping your tenant improvements in your space up to date, whether you own it or not. Um, Keeping your equipment and technology uh, up to date, and when and when not to uh, buy new equipment and technology, because at some point it becomes the law of diminishing returns. Um, So you want to be strategic about that, Um, and be careful when you invest in those. So, and then the third thing in terms of a plan is, you know, uh, avoid waiting till the last minute once you've burned out and the practice values, you know, fallen. and so I think when you when you talk to those advisors, you're going to pretty quickly put a
1: plan together. Hmm. OK. And, and right. So so certainly right. Talk to your spouse. Talk to your other advisors, CPA, wealth manager. You know, and you mentioned something interesting in there. And that was right. This idea of even, you know, what are you doing in your office? Right. In terms of the the tenant improvements or, or buying equipment. Why does that factor into this?
2: Well, uh, what was that old movie with uh... Uh, if you build it, you'll come. They'll come. <laughs> I forget the name of the movie, but uh, famous actor. Feel the dreams. I think feel the dreams. That's right. Yeah. Um, if if we have the right uh, facility, uh, we have the right tools and technology. We'll attract. We'll attract good patients. That helps. That's not everything, but it helps to attract, you know, good um, patients and and loyalty to the practice. And so and it also uh, helps to attract a good buyer and keeps the value up. Uh, but there's also the timing issue on that. If you wait too long or if you do that towards the end, you may not recoup that investment. And so, you know, we can help you and, and actually your accountant can help you figure out whether or not that kind of investment is, uh, is going to be worth it uh, hmm. at any given timeline.
1: Okay. So, right. I and mean, when should doctors actually start thinking about exiting their practice? Uh, now. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. 20 years ago. And if that didn't happen, then, well, you know, I, uh, something that I like to li- try to live by is begin with the end in mind. And hardly anybody does that, right? When nobody's Nobody starts with an exit plan or, or very few people do. Um, but uh, if you haven't started with an exit plan in mind, then then start with doing that right now, developing an exit plan, because um, it's never too early to prepare for
1: that. Yeah. And, and I agree with that sentiment so much, right? I, I tell new grads all the time, I'm like, you should be planning for your exit now. Because, right, you've worked with a lot of doctors, I right, had 150 dentists, and 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 as you've gotten to know them, you know, what kind of percentage of their overall net worth does the practice usually make up? Is it a small part or, or a large part of their net worth?
2: Well, it depends on how you know well they've done financially in the practice and, and outside the practice as well with their investments and, and frankly, how well they've prepared. But um, I see it anywhere from from, you know, 80 percent all the way up to or down to, you know, five ten 10 percent, depending on how well they've done. In any case, it's a significant portion of their portfolio, usually.
1: Yeah. Right. And it's something that should be planned for and looked at. Yes, sir. Yeah. So what are some, what gets in the way of, of, dentists putting a plan together, right? Why aren't they doing this?
2: Well, I think it's the, this is a struggle we all have, right? We have a hundred different priorities that we're juggling at any given time. And we tend to dwell on the, the things that are presently pressing. And so we put off those things that, that, uh, aren't pressing, but are important. Um, but this is this, you know, given the, the typical, uh size of this asset uh it it uh it definitely bears attention and high priority today
1: okay and right as we start thinking through right putting that plan together preparing for the profitable sale of your your practice right we want to start early right You, you can never start too soon But what do you start doing? Right. If you're that new grad or you've been in business 10 years or 15 years and you're like, hey, you know, actually what Darren's saying makes a lot of sense. Right. I'm I'm not ready to exit for 10, 15 years, but but I want to start getting ready. I want to start putting that plan together. Where do you even start like pulling the puzzle pieces together?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. So I would again, I'd start with talking with a financial planner first like yourself Mm -hmm. and um, and then also talk. You know whether you're a new grad or whether you're you've been out for ten or fifteen years and you've been operating your own practice for for that long uh, talk also with a dental practice management consultant and, hmm. and someone who has experience uh, you know preferably somebody who's been in your shoes who's a who's been a dentist and uh, oftentimes they can offer the most you know the best insights on uh, uh, you know on on preparing the practice for an eventual sale, um, and I think those are the two uh, key players that you want to you want to be have involved in the process from start to finish. And so okay. I'd start there for sure. Gotcha.
1: Now, now I'm going to pick on financial advisors, and I'm, I, and I wear a different hat. This is you know what I do when I'm not running the the show. But you know, as, as financial advisors, do we actually know what a dental practice is worth?
2: Um, it, uh,
1: I, I would say that not all do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that you do. <laughs> well, I, I, I know enough to say, Hey, we got to get evaluation of this thing. I'm, I, I'm not the technician. Let's bring in the experts. Right.
2: right. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, and sometimes it, it you know, and we all experience this when uh, when you get uh, the armchair warriors uh, weighing in on subjects where they shouldn't be weighing in but we do uh, we do see that from time to time but yeah typically um, financial advisors and accountants don't really understand uh, practice valuation
1: yeah and, and actually a little personal antidote when i first got started in the the business years ago you know the the insurance people would come in and they go oh yeah we provide business valuation services and I thought, oh, this is great. I don't need to build an outside network. I got all the right people right here. And I ran a couple of those valuations, and then I ran them with real brokers who really knew what they were doing, and the numbers couldn't be further apart. And so, so I, I would argue most right wealth managers, financial advisors, CPAs, right? if you're not really in the business of valuing businesses day in and day out, you kind of don't have a clue what they're worth.
2: Right. Yeah. So. Even, yeah. Even one of the challenges we've had is um, out like uh, people that are professional business appraisers, sometimes uh, occasionally a lender will want to get somebody like that involved. Um, and they're from out of state. Oftentimes they don't know if they just don't understand the the local business climate and uh, the, you know, the dental world locally. And so, yeah, the brokers, the local brokers and, and I, I would stress too a, a broker a broker agent that is local is is really important too because there are microeconomic considerations that that uh, come into play and the local guy or gal is going to going to understand those and the, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why we like you know having pe- boots on the ground all across the state
1: of California. Hmm. So, hey, t- talk to me a little bit about the, those kind of little micro economies. W- what's going on there? Do, do practice values really differ? a lot based on location?
2: Oh yeah, significantly. Um, if you, the, the, when you get to the coast, um, especially in the, the more affluent communities, uh, the practice, the same practice with the same numbers, identical, uh, identical uh, characteristics and, and numbers uh, will sell for 10 to 20% more on the coast in an affluent community than it would in uh, inland in an inland community. So hmm. yeah they differ quite significantly. And even on some of the coastal communities uh, are not as nice as others and there there's a significant uh, hmm. difference between uh, practice values in those communities.
1: right and that's not something that you know the, the local business or you know the, the non-local business brokers are really going to pick up on is it right
2: No absolutely not.
1: All right, so, so you want to start getting your team involved. You want to have that right valuation. You want to start doing some planning. But we're also talking about how to exit your practice profitably. And so, so what are some factors that go into that profitable exit as opposed to a non-profitable exit?
2: Well, uh, I, some of those things that we were talking about briefly before, um, investing appropriately in the right technology and equipment um, and having it up to date, but also not being... You know spending towards the end of the end of the game because uh, the law of diminishing returns there and and also the appearance of the place um, those are important factors um, also the uh, the practice numbers if your overhead's out of control that's gonna that's gonna hurt you um, oftentimes in the industry we hear people uh, refer to the practice value as a percentage of the gross the gross uh, income, you know, the collections. And that's actually that's we call that the rule of thumb. And that's actually a very poor. Um, it's a quick and down and dirty reference. And it's an easy way to, you know, to make a reference to a practice value. And we hear lenders use that all the time,
1: which is sometimes- so, so, so. what that, that's like saying if my practice is doing a million bucks, it's worth 70 percent of that or something like that. Well, what are you talking about exactly?
2: Yeah. So um but that's a, that's actually a very poor method of valuation because uh the bottom line is ultimately the bottom line right that's what matters and so we do factor we do use that um that rule of thumb in our valuation but we average it uh, we do a weighted average with over the last few years uh with the uh, a multiple of the net income um being averaged in there as well, and ultimately that is the that is the true value of the practice, right? It's it's the mul- it's a multiple of the of the uh, the net income, um, and normally for uh, for a, a mom and pop practice, which is you know a a, a single owner um, who's working in the practice, who's quarterbacking, managing, you know, owning the practice, it's going to be around around two x. Hmm. Uh, and, and, the doctor's income, you know, salary plus the profit of the practice after that is all, that's all part of the nest, the net income or what we call the seller's discretionary earnings. And it's about two X that, hmm. and if we, if we go by the norms for the area, you know, 70, 80, 90%, if it's in Santa Barbara, for example, uh, or, you know, um, some other like La Jolla down in San Diego, yeah, or Newport Beach. Yeah, it might be 90%. That might be uh, wow. a, a good rule of thumb, but we'll average that. And they, and they oftentimes come in pretty close to each other. But if, it's, if the practice is mismanaged, that net income may be really low. And so if you do 2X, um, the net income, hmm. then it's going to come in a lot lower. So it's going to drag that average down.
1: Okay. So, so all those Costco runs that I've been putting through my practice actually may come back to bite me. Is that, is that what I hear you saying? Well, they could.
2: Um we uh part of the valuation that we do as part of that service, we we uh flesh out all of those kinds of um pseudo expenses. And uh we that's so seller's discretionary earnings is af- earnings is after we've fleshed out all of the what we call add backs. So all the pseudo expenses.
1: Hmm. Okay. So,
2: but the thing to keep in mind is, you know, while we do a really good job of documenting all of that, um the uh, the lenders may not may not allow all of that when they look at look at it through mm-hmm. their lens and place uh, put their valuation model on it uh, they may come up with a lower number because of all the all the you know hidden expenses in there
1: okay
2: and it's a and it can be a bit of a of, of a I hate to use a negative word like this but it can be a bit of a of a of a um, a fight hmm. <laughs> with them to trying to get them to recognize um, you know these addbacks.
1: Okay. Uh, and, and so right, so you certainly want to start right looking at those expenses, right? That's how you can actually drive the, the valuation of your practice higher is paying attention to what the net income is then, isn't it? Absolutely. Bottom line. So uh, how many years of, of returns, right? So if I've been running a terrible practice and putting a whole bunch of expenses through, and then 12 months before I'm ready to sell, I really clean the books up. Is that is that going to help me a whole lot? Uh, if, well...
2: No, I mean, everybody, I would not say, um, generally the bulk of the ad backs are recognized by buyers and lenders. And then, you know, if we, if some, if it's really out of control, you know, there's just been a lot of, um, like an airplane and a boat being run through the, the business. Those are kind of obvious standouts. And I've seen those, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, But uh, those are kind of easy. It's it's the ones that are hidden, like it's multiple expenses that are going under supplies, for example, like you said, the Costco runs, that sort of thing. Those are a little more difficult. And if, you know, if we're trying, if we really need those for the valuation, we'll literally pull out the general ledger and and show it to the lender if we have to and the buyer. Hmm. Um, So. I'm not so much worried about that kind of thing as I am about just out of control overhead. And the biggest the biggest problem and challenge I see in most practices is staff. And that's the biggest overhead. Right. That to begin with. And if that's out of control, it's out of control in a big way often or or it has a a large impact on on the bottom line. Hmm. Um, That's that's the single largest one. The other one is uh, another one is rent. Um, lab is probably the next, uh, well, lab is oftentimes the second largest and then rent, but sometimes in some places, and especially in LA, I see where the rent is really out of control. And the only, there's only two things you can do to, to control your rent, uh, as a percentage, uh, you know, expense of your overall, of your overall business, your overall revenue. And that is either negotiate a better lease or relocate, which is very expensive. So it's not ideal. Or um, drive your top line up. And hmm. and so th- your rent shouldn't be more than 5% of your of your gross.
1: Okay. Hey, this is Tim McNeely. You're listening to the Dental Wealth Nation show. I've been talking with Darren Holstein of Integrity Practice Sales. And we've been talking about how to prepare your practice for a profitable exit. And if you, you hang around to the end, you're going to hear about how you can actually get a, a, a good valuation of your practice so that you can make some better choices. So hang on to the end. You'll want to know how you can take advantage of this. And so, so Darren, right, coming back to this theme of, of right, really preparing for the, the profitable exit of your practice, right? We've got things like the the finances, making sure those are cleaned up, making sure that the office looks good and the, the equipment's up to date, making sure we've brought our team around. We've talked about, you know, some of the things that get a, get in the way of, of actually moving forward. You know, what are, what are some, some mistakes that you've seen made by doctors who have tried to exit their practice? Uh, well, I mean, the big one is
2: what we've been talking about is not having a plan. And, you know, when you don't, what has the, the old saying gone? I'm sure my uh, former financial advisor used to say this a, a failure to plan is a plan to fail.
1: Yeah. But, yeah. but what are the things that, that happen if you don't have a plan? Do I just get less from my practice? Does the practice sale not happen? Like, like, like what, what are some real things like that can actually happen if if you haven't planned well?
2: Yeah. Well, an extreme example is, you know, if you, if you're, if you've got a mid midsize practice to begin with, if your revenues around 500 to 600,000 a year, um, as you get uh um, I mean, that's already a challenge. That's outside of the sweet spot. It's a, it's a slim market of people that, that are looking for a practice like that. They're, the, the dental students are coming out of school and they can't buy until they've been out for a couple of years. Usually the lenders won't touch them, but they're, they've got you know, $400,000, $500,000 worth of debt already just, just in school loans coming out of school. And so they need significant cash flow to support that. And so a practice that's doing a half million bucks a year isn't going to give them the ca- the cash flow they need, especially if certain hmm. overhead items are out of control, like staff and uh, and and rent. And so, and then what happens oftentimes is the is the dentists that we're doing these sort of you know small numbers. I, I hate to put it that way, but um, you know it's five hundred thousand a year is not a uh, it's doesn't provide enough cash flow, and that dentist will probably have to work somewhere else to, to have enough cash flow to, uh, um, to be able to get a loan uh, on the practice. So the, um, and then on top of that, if you add to that, the dentist, you know, kind of gets burned out, which is very typical and starts slowing down, then sometimes we get into the place where it's just not saleable. You can't, you can't sell the practice. So then we have to try to look for a local dentist. Where they can buy and merge it in, and then the value goes down even further because it's a chart sale. Hmm. It's just not as valuable as a practice in place. So that's kind of the extreme. And then you know some of the other things that um, uh, perils that we see are you know where the you know, the facility's kind of fallen into decay, It hasn't been kept up. There was no plan to you know keep it keep things updated uh, incrementally over with those incremental expenses. If you have a plan, then you you know every year you're investing. You have a budget to invest in the practice and keep it up to date. Um, So we see that sometimes where things are kind of falling apart and that kind of, you know, there's a hit for that, too, if they're they're not up to date with technology and so forth. So, I mean, there are all kinds of
1: landmines (laughs) out there um you just said something that, that really I found interesting it, it almost sounded like you said there's a limited market for practices doing five six hundred thousand a year right the, the, there's there's more of a limited market for smaller practices did, did I hear that correctly
2: you did yeah the the sweet spot is between now now it's between about seven eight hundred thousand on the low end to about a million two million hmm. three that's where the bulk of the The buyer market is. They need that kind of that kind of revenue for uh, f- you know to f- to satisfy the lenders in terms of cash flow, and so you get you fall below that and uh, the market starts to thin out. There are fewer mm. buyers that can uh, that can do that.
1: So so really that that new dental student who's thinking oh you know I, I really want to buy that practice for you know five hundred thousand four hundred six hundred. It's not going to actually support and have the cash flow to help them pay that loan. Is, is that what I'm hearing?
2: That's right. Yeah, and 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 we do sell those practices, but mm-hmm. what the the dentist has most most of the dentists don't. They just don't want to do that, and so we have to get creative and um, to satisfy the lender that they're going to have enough cash flow. They'll they'll have to work part time. Mm-hmm. they have to work part time in another dentist in, an, in another uh, dental office in another town usually because. That dentist doesn't want them competing for patients, uh, and so they have to. They're traveling out of town to work there a day or two
1: a week. I, I, that sounds like a terrible exit plan. <laughs> wow. Okay. So th- that's fascinating. So, so really, right? If if you're listening to this and your your practice is right on that cusp of 600, 650, it, it really is worth your time and effort to put a little effort into to grow that practice, isn't it?
2: Absolutely. And there are, you know, there are a myriad number of ways that you can do that, but I, one of the best ways and fastest ways to do that is to uh, get with a consultant and you don't want to wait until you're a a year or two away from selling. You want to, um, you want to do this years before and, and keep the momentum going, keep the practice, you know, get it into that sweet spot and, and keep it, uh, Either you know flat to you know incrementally increasing, or you know you can have it rapidly increasing, but it's got to be flat to growing
1: at, hmm. at least. Wow, interesting. So, so it sounds like right once again getting ready to to exit your practice profitably. It starts well before the exit, doesn't it? Yeah, years. Yeah. Really. Wow. And. So right, tell me about a story about a doctor who did come to you and, and, and who you've worked with, who, who you helped put that plan together, and, and how did their exit look different than some of the other ones?
2: Sure. yeah. So I uh, great he's a great friend of mine. I've known him for a lot of years, and he also is a great friend and former client to my, uh, my partner, Bill Kimball. Dr. Kimball, he's a consultant. And uh, he worked with Bill for years to, to grow the practice. And, and he exited, he sold when he was 62. And then he worked back for the buyer because, um, you know, he wanted to help him make sure that he, he uh, kept uh, the goodwill on the practice. And, um, but uh, he, yeah, he grew that practice from, I think when my partner, when Bill started working with him, he was, he was averaging about uh, 400,000 a year, something like that. And four to 500,000. And uh, when he sold the practice the year prior to selling it, he was just a tick under a million five. Bill had helped him exit uh, Delta and all other insurances and helped him develop his own concierge program. And um, it, so he was a fee for service. He had a fee for service practice. He was working three, three days a week, I think himself. And the office was open four. And he was personally working three um and we got a and it was uh the only drawback was he was in this three operatory space so there was no room to grow and so that's the consideration too if you've maxed out your space in terms of uh you know growth opportunity then then uh, you have a facility problem and Hmm. so. One creative thing we had to do for him is we found us uh, because uh, we talked about this in advance and we found a space in town that uh, and it, the timing worked out good because the the landlord was tr- trying to get the building filled up. He was having a hard time. And so the timing was good. The, the landlord actually paid for. We negotiated for the landlord to pay all the tenant improvements. And um, so he got a new <laughs> he got a new office for free. Um, and then, uh, a buyer came in that was, you know, interested in that. And, um, he, you know, he knew that he was going to have to equip the additional three operatories because there were six ops in in the new building. And then we coordinate all this with, uh, with, uh, the uh, dental dealer to give him the plan and provide the equipment and everything. And, but it all, it worked out really well. It was just a, it was a beautiful transition. He, He got a great price for the practice. And, um, yeah we and we learned a few things along the way there and and one of the things that was driven home to us was the because it was that practice was perfect. It was primed and ready except for the facility. Hmm. But we got lucky <laughs> on that one.
1: Okay Well, right, there's so many variables that go into to selling a practice, aren't there?
2: Oh yeah, there's there's a lot. and that's why you need help from advisors. No.
1: Well, I, and, and, and a lot of times, right, I know doctors may be thinking this is just so overwhelming, right? I've got to talk to all these people. I've got to put together the team. What would you tell a doctor who says, man, I, I, I know I need to move forward with this. I, I just I'm so worried about the time commitment on my part that it's going to take. I don't have the professionals. I don't know who to talk to for the, the real estate side of things. I don't know who to talk to in terms of, of advisors. What would you tell someone like that? Um,
2: number one, don't be the other. Besides the time investment, I think people are often afraid of the expense, right? Because somebody's got to pay all these advisors for their time, and and it's the dentist that, of course, who's receiving the the uh, the benefit of that. And So that's it costs money, and and I would say uh, to to the dentist who's concerned about that, don't be concerned about that. Just make sure that you that you um, get good advisors. Um, that have a good reputation. And, um, because that, it, it pays, it, it pays in spades and, uh, you know, you just have to be, you just have to be patient cause it'll, it'll, it'll pay off in the, in the short term, midterm and long term. Uh, but you've got to be willing to commit. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I, and doing this over 12 years, I, I, I I'm guessing you've probably developed a couple of good connections and resources and advisors that you can help bring in for doctors also
2: absolutely yep and it you know and i would say i i've been a little bit reticent to <laughs> to uh, to shamelessly plug myself and or you know the other brokers out there but um it it's good it's a good idea cuz that won't actually won't cost you anything until you sell the practice and oftentimes a good broker who's got a lot of experience in the industry can help give you some some good advice and good guidance up front as to how to prepare i mean that's the conversation we're having right now right and um, and it won't cost you anything. And so, um, you know, because we know we know what sells and what sells for more and what sells for less. And we can we can give you some good uh, some good pointers as to how to prepare and, yeah. and which advisors to talk to.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, and there's nothing wrong with a little shameless plug here and there. And actually, that's kind of where I wanted to go next is, you know, an in indie indie any industry, right? You've got really top-tier quality professionals. You've got some middle-of-the-road mediocre ones, and then you've got some that you just want to stay away from. And so, right, and, and if you're a doctor, if you're considering, right, just just even starting down this road of like trying to figure out what your practice is worth and, 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 and when do you want to exit and doing those upgrades or not to do those upgrades, like, like what are some things to look for in the different brokers that are out there? What are some signs of a good quality broker? And then what are some signs that you want Want to run away?
2: Sure. Yeah. Good, good question. Um, I mean, there are all kinds of little signs, um, <laughs> you know, how they present themselves, I think is, uh, first impression still means something. I think that's really important. Um, I think that, uh, experience and reputation, uh, I, I think it makes sense to just like you know when I go see a dentist or a doctor, I do like to get second and third opinions and and I like to ask around too. And some of these online forums are okay for that sort of thing, but um I think if you have colleagues in the industry or you know, friends, or you know, if ask the broker for some references. And if they're struggling to to give you some names and phone numbers, that's a bad sign. Um, you want somebody who can give you a you know, a number of of solid references of people who've been happy with their services. And so uh, I think those are for starters that those are some things to look for.
1: Okay. So so really the reputation, ask your colleagues, right? Make sure whoever you're considering working with actually does have that that solid reputation.
2: Yeah. And have them come in, you know, have call the broker and ask them to come meet with you in person. You will find that more than half of them will not do that. They just
1: don't because they're too far away. I was going to say, that's not too big of an ask, like even in today's world, like that's okay to expect that.
2: <laughs> it's, it's still fairly uncommon there. You, you really want somebody to, uh, that will come. And there are, there are, there are a number of us that do that. And, but that's what you want. You want somebody that's hands-on and who will come in and, you know, the, the point of hiring somebody to do this work is so that you don't have to do it. You don't have to be stressed out and and because it'll take you five times as it'll your time will be five times as much as as the broker's time at getting this done Hmm. and um the point of of paying a broker to sell your practice is so you don't have to you don't have to deal with it you know you don't have to go meet um and show the uh practice to to the dentist the buyers out there maybe the the broker will ask you to be there because the buyer wants to meet you but at least, you know, there's, there are a hundred million other things that you don't, and that's hyperbole there, um, maybe a hundred, uh, that you won't need to do if you, if
1: you hire the right broker who's willing to be present, hmm. on the ground. Interesting. No, I, I think that, that's great advice because there, there are so many variables, right? So many things that, that have to be looked at and paid attention to. And, and that's kind of one of the dangers of trying to do this yourself, isn't it? Is, is you can end up missing some key things.
2: Yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's just, it's super stressful. And, uh, I remember talking to a dentist one time and we were, I forget what the, he was, he was talking about some, some service doing him. Uh, I forget if it, I think it had to do with, uh, it might've been with regards to CAD CAM dentistry. He, he felt like, and I know there's, I used to sell that, that equipment when I worked for a dental dealer years ago, but um, he talked ab- about, uh, you know, I'd rather um, pay a lab guy to do that because my time is much more valuable chair side. And and so your time is much, far more valuable chair side than it is trying to sell your practice.
1: Yeah. So. So, right. If we do want to, you know, in- engage and start trying to figure out a, a value of our practice and, and, and putting a plan together, uh, how can you help us? What, what can integrity what can Darren do for us? Um, so, yeah, when we
2: when we first uh, engage a new client, you know, we'll come in and we do a, a, a course evaluation is is something we do right off the bat. We collect all the data on the practice from you. We've got an online survey. Uh, we collect your financials. We um, and we use that to create a valuation. and uh, we take photos and video of the practice. We we do an equipment inventory for you. Uh, we'll. We'll go into the office and print all the reports up. Um, so we collect all the data and, and everything that we can do. We do it for you so you don't have to do it. We like the idea of being full service. And it still will require some effort on your part, We, you know, some things that we need to ask you. Um, but we'll talk directly with your accountant. We'll talk directly with your attorney. We'll do everything we can to take the load off of you and uh, we prepare the marketing. Um, and once you've given us the green light, then we, we take it to market and we market through our various channels. Uh, and they are many and, uh, we're, um, we've got great SEO. We've got a great website. Uh, and I, I would mention on, uh, that front too, on the website, there are great tools for buyers and sellers. And maybe we can talk about that whenever you're ready, but, uh, we have reached across the country. Actually, we have a, we have a, a list of, um, on our email blast list we have dentists all over the country that are uh, that are looking to buy in california and we're now in arizona and nevada as well
1: yeah and really intelligence and presence matters when it comes to to practice sales right i always like to kind of think about it as as buying and selling a home right that's a little bit easier because we have this thing called the multiple listing service. You can jump online. You can see all the homes. You know approximately what they're worth. And, you know, you can call up any real estate agent and pretty much get the deal done, right? It's because the information is out there. Dental industry and dental practices, it's not quite like that, is it?
2: Not quite. No, not. Uh, and, and perhaps it, it will be at some future date, but presently it's not. It's a, it's a very different market, uh, the the dental practice sales marketplace. And I think it's because it's, it, it, uh, it got started kind of late when, when somebody figured out that there's actually an asset there. Um, And so there, uh, it was just a, you know, one broker started and (laughs) selling practices, you know, as a, as a business entity. And, and it grew from there. Um, But it's still, uh, it's still a very, most brokers in the dental space are double-ending double ending deals there. They represent the seller only. And, um, so that's, so the buyer needs, uh, you know, uh, an attorney and, um, and an accountant and, and sometimes a consultant as well.
1: Wait, 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 double ending deals. Wait, What are you talking about there?
2: <laughs> so there's, yeah, there's generally like in, you, you mentioned, uh, uh, residential real estate. Uh, you usually have, uh, an agent representing both buyer and seller. And in the dental marketplace, that's not the case. There is no, there's, there's an agent slash broker who's representing the seller only. And so the buyer usually um, has has as representation uh, his or her attorney um, accountant, and uh, consultant; those are kind of the three main, the three key players that uh, that the buyer is bringing to the table.
1: Hmm. So they may not have a, a broker helping them acquire the practice. They so they're really not getting representation on that side at all. Then,
2: no, but you know, we uh, it's just kind of the way that the industry hmm. is, has evolved. And um, you know, if I, comparing this, uh, and, and obviously it can, it can, <laughs> I can see where it could be perilous for the, for the buyer, but, uh, it, it actually becomes a, re- it, a redundancy. We've come to view it that way. And we're happy to, we're ha- We've always, since the beginning, we've always been happy to cooperate. If some, if, if, uh, somebody brings us another broker, brings us a buyer. Um, we're always happy to do that, uh, hmm. to cooperate to, because w- what we want to do is, once we get a listing, we want to sell that listing as fast as possible. Right. And, and, uh, but it's just, it, it's not, it hasn't evolved that way yet. And perhaps at some point it will. Um, so that's kind of the world we live in. Once we get into the transaction, actually having two brokers or two agents involved is, is a bit of redundancy and it, and it can clog the process up a bit because, um, the, the, uh, the people that really know, uh, that really understand the practice, are the consultants and um, a smart buyer will bring a consultant and also have a uh, have a, an accountant look at it and between and and then an attorney. those are the three advisors that a buyer should be bringing to the table and a, there's cost right with, with each of those but it's well worth it because they mm-hmm. they can go in with eyes wide open.
1: Yeah no that, that's great. so so if we want to contact you if someone listening says, hey you know I, I really do I want to get that valuation I want to get a consultation how do they do that?
2: Uh, Our website, integritypracticesales.com is probably the quickest reference I can give you. And our phone number is uh, 855-DDS-4DDS, the number four,
1: Uh, 855-337-4337. That's a a pretty easy uh, way to find you there, isn't it? Yep. And I'll uh, go ahead and put that link in the chat for everyone. And so, yeah, if you, I, I would encourage you to do this, no matter where you are on the spectrum. If you're if you're a couple years out of school or a couple years from retirement or somewhere right in the middle, it makes sense to have these conversations consistently and regularly, because it is a major asset for you, for your family, for the people you care about, and you want to make sure you're taking care of it. So, so reach out, get evaluation, right? Get a consultation, figure out. Are you on track? And, and a little bit of that preparation goes a long way, doesn't
2: it, Darren? It sure does. Yeah. And you mentioned the valuation. And for, for anybody who uh, contacts us, um, feel free and mention this program, mention Tim McNeely.
1: Um,
2: we'll, we'll provide a free basic valuation for you on your practice.
1: I, you can't beat that. That's a, a great deal right there. And so, Before we sign off, Darren, any closing thoughts or, 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 or any kind of last words to the doctors that are listening to us today?
2: Yeah, just a reminder: uh, plan and prepare today, and you'll have uh, you'll have a lot of peace, you know, for, for the rest of your career and and into retirement.
1: Wow. Well, hey, thank you for sharing so generously. I, I know I certainly have a better idea of the the planning process, things I should look out for, and, and really what goes into preparing your practice for a profitable transition. So, thank you so much, Darren. I appreciate it.
2: It was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Tim.
1: All right. Uh, All you listeners, we're looking forward to having you here again here on Dental Wealth Nation.
0: You've been listening to Dental Wealth Nation. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. Join us next time as we pull back the curtain to reveal the often hidden advice and strategies used by today's most successful individuals and families and help maximize your net worth so you can take even better care of the people you love. Till next time, make sure to hit the website at dentalwealthnation.com.